Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Sharp Cuts. You're here with Garrett May, Josh Nickel, as always. And alongside today, we have Steve Delaney, head coach of the Brock Badgers women's volleyball team, and my biological father, John May. Welcome to the show, guys. Steve, sorry, I got to get something out of the way right away, because last episode, we were planning on having a marquee episode. We've actually delayed. We got an even better one, I think, here this episode. But we were supposed to have my biological father, John Mayon with Olympian Marquise, but apparently there was an emergency boat trip right before the episode started. Dad, can you maybe give us some insight there? Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, Garrett, uh, I don't like being overshadowed by uh, a guest like Marquise. Like, he talks way too much. He talks over you. He doesn't really give you an opportunity to express your views. So mm. I'm much more excited about being on the show with Steve Delaney, who I know is a very intelligent guy, comes up with good opinions and good thoughts, and certainly doesn't interrupt, and he's not rude like Marquise. Well, I like the strategy of taking my shot and turning it into another shot. It works well. So welcome to the show, guys. Um, Josh, let's get into it. We wanted to talk about a few things tonight, so let's roll right into it. What do we want to start with, Josh? Because you know me, I'm totally unorganized. I have no idea what's going on. Well, I think the one that, that's got me the most surprised, Garrett, and I'll just fill in in our listeners, because I think this is, it's slightly breaking news, is there's been a p couple positive cases in Tokyo, if you've been paying attention to the Olympics, and some of them have hit the beach volleyball world enough that uh, Taylor Crabb and Jake Gibb for the United States qualified for the Olympics, and Taylor is actually ineligible, and they'll have to make a sub here, so I... I you watch the NBA playoffs, you watch Major League Baseball, it looks like the U.S. defeated COVID. Like, they're playing in front of full stadiums, they're doing all this stuff, but them out of all teams have had to make a COVID sub, so now Taylor Crabb's not an Olympian, and Triborn is getting the call, and they play Sunday against Italy with a brand-new partner, Jake Gibbs. So it, it just shows that it, we're, we're still on the tail end of what it was a weird COVID year, year and a half, two years now, that it, it's actually affected the Olympics. That is unbelievable to me. I mean, like... It's wild. I mean, COVID's still a risk, but like, damn, somebody getting COVID. You guys, like, I haven't had to deal with that, but like, coming back to playing sport, like, that's a huge reality you got to deal with. Like, you got to make sure people aren't getting COVID, but you got to compete at some level too. Like, man, I feel for for that guy for sure. Yeah, it's going to be tough, right? Like, you spend so much time working on that, and it gets delayed by a year, and now you get there, and um, you're, you're you're ineligible and you really have no control over it right like and and then who's he in contact with is there is there quarantining going on for that are they missing training days and i'm wondering now though if if there isn't a little bit of pressure released because now you've got a new partner so what are the expectations now at this point 
That's an interesting point that I hadn't have thought about. It's like, hey, Triborn subbing in. He's playing with house money. Like, let's go get a freaking medal here, bud. Like, let's do it, which, I mean, is a valid point. But I also think when you say that, Steve, like, you know, Dad, we know when you go on tour, you're like, who are you train with? You're like, you're talking, okay, who? Now, is there a concern? Hey, I'm not going to maybe train with those guys because they're, oh, hey, they're running around. They're not being safe with COVID. Like, is that a thought now as well? Like, what kind of a world are we living in these days? I, I think it definitely has to be. If anyone follows Phil Dalhauser on Instagram, he mentioned that because he was considered a close contact, he actually had to do a modified quarantine. So for the last five days, he wasn't allowed to leave his room. So now this guy's prepping for the Olympics to play a match, and he's gotten basically one on-court session and one lift in. So it, it's affecting the schedule on so many layers here that this is supposed to be the peak of a lot of guys' careers, and they're dealing with a lot of last-minute stuff. You're right, Garrett. Do you only train with your partner instead of partnering with another team because you don't know what they're up to? what's the dining hall situation? Like, can you isolate from people? Like, are people wearing masks? Are they not wearing masks? I have no idea what the village looks like, but it's just, it it seems to affect beach volleyball in a big way. I don't know if it's affecting other sports as well. All right, well, we got two coaches on here who are running practices. Correct me, guys. You're both down at the beach running practices. I mean, are we being safe for COVID, you two guys? Like, are we, do we have it together? I mean, Dad, I've seen you down there. I'm not sure we're following all the protocols. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I didn't know there were protocols. So uh, mm. I'm I'm double mm. vaccinated, and so are the athletes that I'm training with. And that's uh, good news. I mean, congrats I on guess, that. Your COVID upgrade. Do you have superpowers? <laughs> I guess I, I I think the reality is here. Um, the COVID cases are going down, and and things are opening up. And you know, I guess there's still people that are are catching the virus and. You know, that's going to continue. We're going to continue to see that. Uh, we're trying to be somewhat careful, I think. But to be honest with you, I think now that the restrictions have somewhat loosened and, you know, nobody's nobody's suggesting we shouldn't be on the beach training, we're we're going at it. Um, and I, this is the first I heard that, it, that it's hit uh, Crab, which is just terrible because I believe it's his first Olympics, right? The... Yeah, with with Jake and you know what they they have a very interesting chemistry that team. Um, you know, I, it's it's more than a wild card. You're bringing in, you know, that it it never really works. But who knows? You know, <laughs> oh, I think, so you're thinking they're like, hey, it's not going to work. That team now is just done. Uh, well, I wouldn't be. I don't see them as a big threat. No. So what do they do if everybody gets COVID? Right. Like if like half the team say, well, have I feel a COVID like scare. in beach volleyball, right? Like you can't make a sub partway through. So if me and Steve start and I get COVID after the first game, I think we're out of the tournament. Well, like, no, I don't no, think no. You if you subs, and Steve like, are together like, and you get COVID, I think we're all happy. And Steve's eager for a sub in that partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you play a game, though, in beach volleyball, that's the team. It's not like an indoor team where you go down the list and now like maybe you lose your, your right side and someone else subs in. I think the team is then incomplete if the tournament started and, and they would be DQ'd the rest of the way, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, there's no subbing after the tournament starts. It's over. Man, that's got to be so. so weird. And like, I guess everybody now has got to be super careful when they're out there in Tokyo in the training. Like, I haven't oh. been a part of a training environment where we've had to really like take that like with mass and you're doing that whole thing like steve have you done many practices with like the full-on like covid gear and stuff like is it different yeah so there's 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 two pieces so obviously um you know at brock when we were training uh we had to you know sanitize everything right the gym was like cleaned 
We, um, we were wearing, in the beginning, we weren't wearing masks. Then we were wearing masks. Coaches were always wearing masks. And we were also wearing a shield, so mask and shield. Now at the beach, because I'm training here for the, the Hurricanes program at, at Trinity, um, we've got a health check before we get in. We had that at Brock, too. So you have to fill out the app and answer all the questions, which is standard. You have to wear your mask uh, into the the, the, the the beach facility. And then the, um, the athletes come in one side, and then the, um, the coaches come in the other side. Uh, we're not wearing masks while we're training. We're trying to remain a certain amount of distance. Um, and it is beach, so it is outdoor, so it's a little le- less less risky. But we're looking to go back indoor in about uh, in about two weeks here um, at Brock. And some of the other OUA schools, it's all over Instagram, they're already back indoors. So, um, you know, and you're not allowed to basically tell anyone to get vaccinated. But, um, you know, I know that most of uh, the people that I'm dealing with are, are, are planning to do it, and some of them already have, right? So so you, you're wearing a full mask and a full shield to coach. They're wearing a mask. Yeah. So you're doing like this to try yes. to turn a point across. Like, it, it yeah. was like, what? Like, that's got to be just kind of annoying, awful. isn't it? Absolutely awful. It's hard because the other thing too, right, is like there's so much more communication uh, than just your, your words, right? Your facial expression. Like I can be using – raising my voice – and if I have a smile on my face, you take it one way. But if you can't see my smile, I better learn to smile with my eyes pretty good, which, you know, is either neither here nor there. But, like, it, it is, it definitely hurts the, uh, the communication with your athletes and, then, and their communication back to you. Yeah, I think you're probably okay with that, though, Dad, because you're just yelling 100% of the time anyway. So we're fine there, right? <laughs> you know what? I, I, this isn't something to be mocked, but it's such a uh, – <laughs> You know, if you're entering the facility, Steve, and I mean this in all due respect from two different entrances, but you come in and nobody's wearing a mask. It's like, well, yeah. it's really good you came in through a different door. Like, yes. is that a, yes. like it's it's just all sort of pretty confusing, and um, you know, and it, but it's a scary thing. A lot of people have died from this disease, so it's, you know. We want to get back to some sense of where we're not thinking about it in every action we take. Um, so to be honest with you, it's not something that's really on my mind when I'm running a training session. Right. Uh, I do look over and I see Josh Nickel and Felipe uh, wearing their <laughs> their masks outside. Their bandanas. You're rocking a full bandana, yeah, Josh, it's right? Very, it's, it's well, very, I wear the mask and then I cover it because when you talk, the mask moves. So I want it to be snug because what's the point of wearing a mask? Like if you watch the NHL coaches, they had to wear masks, but their noses were out half the time. So why are you even wearing Yeah, but thing, is right? it not so more gotta, for style? Like you look pretty badass out there, Josh, wow. with the full-on bandana on there. Like I don't see anybody style. else repping the style <laughs> on the mask like that, okay? That's a Team Canada coach <laughs> right there. People, people, I wish we could get a mask on you, maybe. Well, it looks like we have a mask on you because your screen keeps blurring up. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Well, but it could, it could be some, it could be some, <laughs> something related to the conversation because it's a bit blurry where this is going. It's trying to filter you between us. There it goes again. Yeah, we I can't got, even see it. Oh, have, you're back. I, I've got years, I've got years of experience with Steve here and we're talking about some recent thing of COVID. Like COVID's old news, isn't it? Like I know we're on it, but. Is, well, are we oh, not? you're challenging the show. We're only we're five minutes into no, the no, flipping no, no, show, no, and you're not, already I'm trying not, to undermine not, the host here. Cha- I'm not challenging the show, but we're just going to start popping off of these what is completely un 
it it almost feels unscientific how we're dealing with COVID when it's a purely scientific thing. Like it it doesn't even make logical sense, and I well, think science is somewhat logical. Popping so, off uh, is what we do best on this show. It's I know, really all we ba- do. Ba- back to the Olympics and the fact that uh, it's it's the younger crab, is it, or it's definitely the shorter crab that yeah. plays with Gibb. Um, very energetic, powerful player, great defense, like very exciting to watch. And uh, Gibbs, no spring chicken, that's for sure. He's uh, he's up this there. This got to be his last. Yeah. yeah. And he's still bringing. games, I think, for him. Yeah. And he's bringing amazing intensity when he plays. Like he's still, it's it's fascinating to watch him, but it's very sad that this this thing's gotten in the way of that. Well, and I feel like we head in the Olympics, right? And we're all, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be watching as intently as I can. It feels like it's going to be a bit of a theme here. I mean, we're seeing it with some of these, I mean, we're seeing a player getting COVID, but is this maybe, this going to be just a huge shadow over the whole tournament? I mean, already on the men's side, a team has already been compromised and has to make a sub. But I mean, hopefully as this goes, we don't see any more, but certainly the restrictions and managing is going to be a huge theme for dealing with the tournament. We talked with Mark last week when you had that super important boat trip, dad, about, uh, you know, the focus at the Olympics and making sure that you kind of accept the distractions. I mean, I feel like in this case, COVID is kind of taken over rather than media and all this other crap for the major distraction. I don't know you guys thoughts on that. Wow. Well, sorry, I just want to hop in and correct myself. This is Jake Gibbs' fourth games. Good for him. He was in Beijing, he was in uh, London, and he was in Rio. So this guy, that, he's putting together a pretty good career, Garrett. I didn't think Jake Gibbs was talking about the all-time list, but four-time Olympian, good for him. Yeah. I mean, thanks yeah. for correcting yourself, because we're wrong often on this show, and we just let <laughs> well, it hang I didn't out want there. Mark Nobody's called to us send yet, a message, because... So. I tried to call Mark out on stuff, so I didn't want him to listen to this episode and have, like, the comment section going off with, like, actually, you know, according to my research, this is what happened. So, you know, you know he's on that stuff, Garrett, so. All right. And when you talk about COVID COVID taking over, well, let's not have it take over this show. I've only got an hour. (laughs) You know what? Isn't that? Okay. Wow. Gosh. That was good, eh? That well, was good. That just stopped you, you right I mean, sharp track. cuts, but it. sharp cuts at the show? Damn it. I don't know if I no, can take No, no, it. it's, not, it's not the show. You just talked about COVID taking over, and I think it's not that it's run its course. Well, speaking of taking it, over, I think you're trying to take over the show right now, aren't you? No, I just, I, I'm just I'm just happy to talk to Steve. I haven't seen or heard <laughs> or heard about Steve's career, and, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear more about what's going on with Steve Delaney. Well, I guess you did Let's miss the production. Let's fill the listeners meeting. in. There's got to be there's got to be a history here, Garrett. So, Steve, what's your first memory of John May? Well, oh, let's boy. just cover it from the beginning, and we can fast forward here. But wow. so there's got to be a moment that stands out, Steve. So, John May was still playing, uh, and he was playing, I believe, with Walt Zanell. And at that time, I think it was an OVA tournament, and they had just won the weekend before in in Wasaga. And I don't remember how. They did, but I remember hearing about John May, the King, and Walt, and and, and all that. And um, and then, then I think it was the same summer, something happened. He wasn't playing with Walt anymore, and I actually got to play the King, and he was playing with uh, Posse Teeny. Remember that? John? <laughs> I was playing with John Hong. Oh yeah, I definitely yeah. remember that. Was OVA Provincials? I don't know how old you were, but I was I don't in my early twenties at the time. And uh, and then my, the, the, my my fonder memory of John is the guy who brought 
beach volleyball back to Canada. Like, not to toot his horn. I know Garrett will make you throw up in your mouth a little bit, but um, your, your dad was a pretty big, uh, pretty big influence <laughs> on beach volleyball in Canada, right? So, uh, you know, be through the opportunity, he, he granted a lot of us to kind of learn the game and and travel across Canada playing it. And um, so those are my early memories of of John amongst all the wonderful nights we had, uh, you know, in, in like Alberta or Vancouver or wherever we were. Um, you know, Graham Ben, I remember him just, we were singing a song about him and he's walking back and forth on the street past the window so that we don't stop singing. So there's a, a hotel room of like 30 people. I don't know how we got 30 people. Though, and there's one John May outside and he just kept walking back and Lawrence Bishop's brother is on the guitar singing a song about John and he's walking away and he's walking back and it happened like 20, 20 times and in the middle of the and it's, it's got to be like 10 o'clock at night in Grand Bend and John said he was going home and he's back and forth so there's there's a bunch of good memories there <laughs> oh Steve I'll never forget that that was very funny yeah there were some there was some amazing memories of that uh, that tour where you know a lot of people sort of got their start beach volleyball but you know just to fast forward it a bit and and talk about the fivb and the world tour and and your experience on the world tour i remember when the the uh tour touched down in quebec was it quebec city might have been quebec city or no or or when you played with rich and uh, it was very exciting to watch you and rich uh Paddle it yeah. out. I don't remember exactly your finish, but I know, I think, was that your first FIVB event? No, no, I played in a few, um, <laughs> but that but, but that was like the first like main draw I'd gotten right into, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it was, I was like the, the, the Thai crab, right? Like yeah. uh, something, uh, Conrad's mom, unfortunately, had just passed away. And so I didn't know, but you guys, hey, want to come to the beach? Like, sure, we come to the beach and it's like John May and like, myself and three other guys. And I didn't know this was like a tryout for what was going on. We didn't even have the conversation about what was up. And I remember, unfortunately I was not at home when I got the like call from rich and he, or it was a text message. He's like, Hey Steve, do you want to fly out and play with me? This is Tuesday. I think we started playing on like the Thursday. He's yeah. like, do you want to fly out and play? I'm like, Man, you told me that's what this whole tryout thing was about. Like I would have, I would have handled the last four days to now a little different because, because, okay, my, my, my wife, she was my, my fiance at the time was no, actually, no, she was my wife was away with her friend in Portugal. So I was having a few more beverages than I would have uh, oh, normally yeah. if I knew I was, if I was playing in an FIB tournament on the weekend in the main draw. So, yeah. Well, that maybe yeah. helped you. I don't know. Like, I mean, you're, yeah. you keep it well, loose. It, 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 yeah, it didn't help. It okay. didn't help. Okay. That's for sure. But, but what a what a dynamic player you were! I you were you you had the greatest arm swing of all time. I I remember that, and you you certainly had some hops, and you were one of those probably more physical athletes than were around at the time. I know obviously Rich was a big monster, yeah. but but you for a relatively normal sized person brought a lot of physicality to the game and a great arm, like a bombing, uh, you know, from the left side, great wrist. And, uh, you were, you were fun to watch. And I, I, you know, it's the, the memories it's, it's back. It goes back so long ago, but there were some really exciting times and, and you had a great playing career. Now I'm going to fast forward and not to take over, but I want to ask you about well, not Brock. to take how over, you, but then take over. I mean, go for but it. But how, how are you, <laughs> how are you enjoying Brock? Like it, it was so exciting to, 
for me to see you take that over having had a good club career and then because Brock had a bunch of talented athletes and they just never were able to really break through and then you've taken that over and I know you were in the top final four I think weren't you yeah, we, we had a good season last year. I mean, the heartbreaking piece is that we made it to nationals for the first time in, in program history, and then that the COVID canceled yeah. it. And, and yeah. I dealt with a lot of tears, and I had some myself, and um, yeah. it was really tough because we got basically sent home. But uh, you know what? Um, I'm enjoying it. Um, I, 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 you know, coaching women is uh, is uh, it's it's very rewarding in the fact that like you really realize because it's such a more technical game, but that you have to delve into the technical aspects of it. And as a guy, when I was playing, if you couldn't do it one way, you just tried to do it with strength the other way. So um, it's really been enlightening for me to be kind of like a lifelong learner and keep learning on new technical ways to, to train athletes and how to get through and communicate and what motivates them. And um, they're, they're all different people. So, you know, getting through to one person one way doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to the same results by handling it the same way with a completely different personality. So uh, it's been great. Um, I love it. I'm looking forward to, you know, what we've got ahead of us. Um, it's, again, I've been doing it for this is my third year. So, you know, recruiting after COVID, uh, during COVID, uh, you don't know what you're going to get. There's a backlog now because you've got some fifth years. You've got an extra year. You've got people doing victory laps in high school. You've got a whole bunch of different uh, variables that are now coming into play. But, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's an awesome uh, experience, and I hope I can do it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's so nice, guys. Like, I mean, Dad, I mean, your comments and Steve, super nice. Great, Steve. I mean, gosh, like this this Sharp Cuts has turned into Pillow Fight, and I mean, amazing. I mean, I mean amazing, yes. everybody. I mean, yes, Steve, yes. it's got to be a huge challenge, though, coming back, I'm sure, with the COVID situation. Like, is your team going to be, like, super deep? Because you got, like, fifth years yeah. coming back, and then you got, like, people didn't want to leave, and then you got the recruits coming in? Or, like, are you like, ah, no, I, I actually, I, I'm screwed, I had graduate, like, what, like, how do you manage that? Because you don't know what you're getting coming in, really, because you haven't had a chance to see them. Some of these athletes, their last year was basically nothing. Right. And, and what, you, what you have is a lot of athletes coming in who've been playing against athletes of their own age for a long period of time, right? They might play a year up, maybe, right? Um, and now they're going to come in and they're going to play against young women, right? And, it, and that's, a, that's a big piece. But, but one of the, the biggest pieces that I didn't really know was a thing until COVID hit was something I, I kind of like came up with the term performance currency, which for me is like, there's a pecking order in everything that you do when there's actual matches to be played. Oh, it yeah. goes to like, who's on the A side, who's on the B yeah. side, who's traveling this weekend, who's dressing, who starts, who gets on the court. And without that, everyone's equal. And so you've got some people coming in that um, they don't get the, the, the basics of like, this is what you do. This is what you never do. The little things can easily become big things, which can be big problems. And there's there's none of that performance currency, which naturally keeps people in line. So that that is a piece where I've, we've missed, you know, for the past year. Uh, and and I'm looking forward to being able to get that back because it does a lot of um, the kind of natural, you know, uh, organization of who's doing what and 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 how do you need to perform and and how do you need to train and how do you need to do all the right things off the court to be like. The, the people who are performing all the time right, right. so so I, I i'm glad to get that back um and as like i have eight i have eight rookies basically now that are all 
have never played a, a university wow. match. So yeah. it's like, okay, we've got to, we've got to really fast track that, uh, that learning process. So, but again, it's, I'm not, I'm in no different shape than most of the coaches uh, in the OUA. I think if I, if I, if I'm calculating it right, most rosters in the OUA will be 19, 20, some 21. I think I counted Western maybe at like 23, 24. And this isn't installed, but just, but yes, yes. Those are huge, man. I know, but you can only dress 14, right? But well, like, you can have like 10 it. red shirts. That's like a Garrett May team we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how how they're going to do it, and, and and people will fall off, but others are coming back, right? Because they've got they want to do a minor, maybe they want to do a masters, and now they have a year of eligibility. So, and then think about if you're coming out of high school and you're like, okay, I've done the math on my depth chart, and I know that this person who's in front of me is probably leaving in a year. Now they're leaving in two years, right? right? And it's like, okay, does that change where I go to university? Maybe. You know, does it change the scholarship money? Like, what about all those athletes who've maybe been promised an AFA for four or five years, and now they're going to be at the school for six? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of athletic directors going, "Oh, how are we going to handle this?" Yeah, right? yeah, man. So, so your 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 what would you say? Performance currency. That's an interesting. Yes. We got to maybe take yeah. that on this show and have some packing yeah. order on the show because I think it would really help some of our guests really fall in line. So I'm just kind of curious to understand more about that. So you're saying like when you play matches. Who gets the yep. time on the court naturally sets an expectation for the players and where they really should be. And with COVID, you're having no right. matches or very few matches. You're not really getting that. So you have these kind of players who maybe are, would be lower on the depth chart thinking, hey, what, I'm, right. I'm not a bench player. I mean, we haven't played a game. Right. Like I, I get to do these things, whereas some of these older players who maybe had that performance currency previously are now saying, no, no, I'll beat it. And that's where you get conflict. You're right. And so, so, but yeah, there, there's that, but there's also the piece of this. Let's say, let's say John starts the match, right? And let's say John doesn't have a great match and Garrett gets sucked in and Garrett has a great match. Well, so I'll stop you right there. There's no way I'm starting on the bench, Steve. Come on. I mean, like Josh <laughs> is coming off the bench for when John is okay. struggling. Got it. Got it. Cause you're already on the court. Yeah. I mean, uh, come on. Performance yeah. currency, yeah. right? Got it. Got it. So now John may lose a little bit of performance currency, but then, Josh gains it. And now what is the effect that, that has amongst the team? You know, Josh is going back to the change room, getting high fives, whatever. Are people picking up John? Like, that's the whole thing. Are they trying to build him up? And the same thing happens in, in, in practice as well, right? Like, for us, we have an A side and a B side. And, boy, you want to spend your time getting to the A side. And when you get there, you want to try to stay there as long as possible. So uh, matches, uh, there's a trickle down from when you have matches over that 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 time period. And without that, and it's the same in club as well, right? You're not going on the road. It's, you know, there's a little bit more fair play involved in certain club, but that's the same thing for all the club coaches out there. They haven't had their performance currency either. So, uh, uh, you know, I, that it's so, I, I don't envy you at all because it's tough enough to manage that whole hierarchy and systems when you have 14 athletes. But if you're talking about having, 21 and having to pick every week who's dressing and what a nightmare you know you and and you can't you can't really just make decisions and cut people because they're all they come with a bunch of credentials like yeah like you're right. saying right so wow that i didn't even think in that context steve of how challenging that would be at the university level right now so we can My expect wife. though that at college and university it's gonna be a wild year like it's gonna be yes maybe a crazy year. Like you're going to have teams anybody, you have no idea who they are. They show they got 23 players. Some yeah. of them like figuring it out. Kind of you got players who are maybe 
redshirting or sitting who like could play and get time later like who knows right like could be and epic anybody anybody could win and it's interesting you know if you th- if you think about steve delaney you know well we're talking how many years steve. did how many did you coach that how many years did you coach that club you were coaching hurricanes four yeah because because that was like i was out of the system like crush was finished at that point so you started like i i don't ever i don't think we were so you four years there, like you, you kind of evolved into this coach, and then you got the the job at Brock, and and you know what, that was a pretty impressive. I don't know if you would have been the coach of the year or whatever, but you took that team from, like you said, nowhere to be what it is. So you you obviously have established yourself with some currency, but. I, you know, I'm wondering else who is there? Like these people that have been around forever, like McMaster, like and Dave Preston, like what's he doing? He's probably got like 50 guys. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like what are, what are those established uh, coaches that have been around forever? They must just be sick of it. I'd retire. Are you, are you the- taking a shot at Steve's performance currency and saying he doesn't stack up with some of these more established coaches? No, I, I, I'm saying Steve is Steve is probably above and beyond most of those coaches because uh-huh. he's he's brought some street cred to, you know, what he's doing. Certainly on the woman's side, anyway. Um, and it was an impressive move. And you know, they they had some talented athletes there. There's no question about so it. So wait, hold on, were, Steve. I, was your first year the year Dad you were coaching at York? No, no, he was gone. Mm-hmm. I, I left. He heard I you left. were coming never, and then ran, right? That's, yeah, I never. I, <laughs> there can only there can only be one, you know, you know. I don't even know Maverick uh, in the system, so I had to get out <laughs> and and let Steve take over that. There we go. Oh man, yeah. So go. it's gonna be a wild year. That's exciting to hear, though. Like, I mean, yeah. if you're a fan watching, like, hey, tune in. Like, could be some crazy stuff you're seeing with these massive teams. Yep, and there's like. Okay, other things like are you allowed to travel? Like usually you travel with the, the men and women's team travel together. Well, now they're talking about different buses, right? So now your roster, your travel numbers are going to be less. So you know if you look at a, a program like you know the MAC, they they have a lot of athletes, they have a lot of coaches. They probably won't be able to travel with with the team in the way they have in the past, right? So you know how can you adjust? Um, and and what 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 you know moves are you going to make to make sure that you can put your best product on the floor each and every night? So, um, yeah, it's a challenge budgetarily and in a number of different things, right? Like, you know, uh, what they've done is, I don't know if you, I was talking to Josh a little bit about this earlier, but what they've done is they've, they've separated the East and the West. So they won't play each other. Um, and what will happen is you're going to play all the games in your conference. And then the other conference play all the games in their conference. The only time you'll ever see, uh, we'll see someone from the East is if we play them in the final of the the OUA playoffs, right? Which is completely different, right? Just completely different. Wow. That seems kind of wild though, given that like you're you're, like cutting the conference in half. How many teams are in the conference anyways? So there's seven in each. Yeah. Like you're seeing seven teams anyways. Like, I mean, you're, you're going and, Having all these contacts with anyway, I mean, not that we. Hey, you're right, Dad. I, we're not going to get critical on that, but that I mean, yeah, like you're. It's a total mystery what's happening over there. Well, I think I think the thing we all need to realize is, like, you know, John said it the best. It's like you know, you're coming in one side, you're going out the other side, and then you're on the court together. Like, think about it one step further. 
these athletes are probably coming in the same car together. Some of them are going home. If you're at university, you live with the other people. You're dating some people on the men's or the women's team. You know, you could be dating people on the football team or the basketball team or whatever. So I believe the biggest thing that these institutions are looking for is they want to protect their their backside legally, mm. right? And that's what it all comes down to, right? Um, so, yeah, and in that in in the system right now, that this it's kind of like it's it's clogged it up. So there's the athletes that are going to have to. Well, there's some that are going to suffer through this. You're not going to get the play time. You may not even make the team. You know, like it, it's going to be tough on on the sport. It's going to have a broader effect on the sport. But yeah. like anything, the cream will rise to the top. The best athletes. It'll just be a little bit more uh, cutthroat and disappointing for those you know athletes coming out of club or what have you. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's an unfortunate reality. Well, yeah, you're gonna have to keep your performance currency close to your best i'm curious steve like you've intrigued me with this concept i sorry i keep coming back to it is 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 it something you write down like are you keeping track is it an informal thing like is it a physical currency i mean it's always been there but um, can i I buy some of it i need some like uh, can you exchange for dollars it's it's bitcoin it's it's a a new uh yeah it's a new crypto it's It's a cryptocurrency performance currency (laughs) so i i think that we all knew it was there, but we didn't realize it until it wasn't there, right? And then you're like, why does this athlete think they're so entitled in this situation? Uh, and you're, you're like, oh, because you don't realize that you might hit a ball and bounce it really well in practice. But if you were to go, you know, one for eight on swings in a match and get subbed out, you'd start thinking again about what you need to do to get better. Instead, you know, we're not keeping maybe that drill. We're not statting. So you get that one big kill, everyone goes, woo, and then you're, you're great, right? But you're not looking at the numbers. You're not doing that stuff. What I started doing, um, especially coming into playoffs, is a concept called the error board. And I know Josh and I have talked about this. And this is a way of the currency. It's like you're actually tracking the unforced errors an athlete makes, which puts more pressure on them. But also it's on the board. So the rest of the team is seeing it, right? And it's very the currency is this. Like if, if, if Josh is having a perfect match and, you know, John's got, you know, six errors, on you know eight attempts and he gets the call on the court the next day either the coach is silly or there's not enough currency or something's going on right so um that's a it's a real big piece i think that 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 i'm welcoming back in my gym is the is the whole competition and and match piece because i think it helps the athletes uh want to get better because they're more realistic in their abilities Great to hear you describe this, Steve, because Garrett, you're not a big guy on like rookie duties or this guy takes the water bottle. Like everybody fills up their own water bottle. But I think just understanding where you are in the team and if you need to work harder, that's competition's great feedback for that, right? So Garrett, I don't think you're saying that we need like, oh, if you don't start, you're a bench player, you carry the jerseys. I don't think that's why you want performance currency. Yeah. I think you want performance currency just so people know where they're at in the depth chart, right? Is that kind of what you're saying, Garrett? Well, like Steve's saying, the error tracking, like, but, but the coach has a piece to play in that as well. Like, I made the most errors on my team, but I'm getting set 100 times, you know, 50 times in a match, right? So, like, somebody's looking yeah. at that, they're going, well, okay, Garrett's carrying us, but then 
somebody else has got three errors. Like, what does that mean for them? Like, the coach is then involved in making a judgment about some of these things as well, as well as the players kind of filling out their pecking order. I'm kind of curious because obviously you must deal with some stress and some with people going, "Hey, Steve, what are you doing? Like, are you are you helping me be successful? Did you coach your best game? I mean, I know when I was a player, like I was definitely involved in that. Like in my third and fourth years as a senior guy, I got a lot of performance currency. I'm looking at my coach going, "What are you doing? Like, are you get your together basically um but have you experienced with that and are like is that something we're trying to learn and grow with as well because like we don't always make the same the right decisions as coaches like i definitely didn't yeah we make mistakes all the time and like i've had athletes challenge me and uh, i'll usually come up and say well here's why i made this decision here's the numbers that support the decision i made by the way here are your numbers and see what i did i gave you the same performance currency I gave this player to keep them on the court. So just, you know, it can, it can be very um, impactful if it's used, you know, correctly. Right. That's a, it's, a, it's interesting. I would never, I would never use that uh, in my experience as a coach. Uh, so obviously, somebody comes to you though, dad, and says, Hey, you put so-and-so in like Josh is sitting on the bench. I mean, classic Steve's in there and Steve's, I don't know. He's having a rough game. And Josh goes, Hey, John, why? Like, am I not getting a chance here? You, you're well, not going to say, well, well, actually like, you know, your numbers are garbage. Well, I look at it much, much differently. I think the coach is, is probably the most important member of the team. Um, <laughs> In, in no in, in wow. the sense because the coach is making the decisions and you know you can choose to uh, put one athlete in versus another you choose who's there and you have to manage the whole ecosystem um, now you're not actually touching the ball but you're you're orchestrating the execution and I it's one of the things that I've never been that fond of is the national team using statistics and and different uh you know compiling the research and the information and making decisions or or using those maybe as reasons of why they didn't pick somebody over the like you know you can look at our own national team glenn hogue coaches the national team right and his son is on the team now i'm sure that's come up in somewhere somehow his decision making but it's his son you know, can you remove himself? But he's a coach. He's been successful to, you know, Volleyball Canada's, you know, judgments. So I think the indoor game is very much like being part of a, of a society that you don't have complete control. That's what makes the beach so attractive because it's up to the athlete. There's so, nobody deciding right. for you. So I, I guess then your explanation to that player then is, well, hey, I'm the coach. I'm making the decision that I think is going to help us be successful. I mean, we review that and deal with that every, all the time. Deal with it, basically. Well, no, you don't You don't just throw somebody under the bus and say deal with it. You you manage that. That's part of being the coach. And, and I think what Steve's talking about with this currency is he uses that currency to assemble discipline and structure and makes the management of that much more scientific and 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 he's saying without that it's like it's it's way tougher and I can see what what he's saying so I I, I can you know I understand why you want it back but at the end of the day 
at the end of the day, I don't think it's about the currency because you decide how much that currency is worth and and what it is. And, and, you know, you might create structures like counting somebody's mistakes or whatever it is you're doing to support your decision making. So I like the I like the classification of it, but it's just a word that's being put on your decision making theory. I think the big piece for me, though, when it comes to the uh, an athlete managing their own expectations, if you have stats, if you have performance currency backing what you're saying, you can get them to buy in the fact that they need to improve in this area. It could be a, a skill. It could no, be the 100%. way they approach a game, right? So that's mm-hmm. where it's like the athlete has a false kind of uh, impression of where they are in the depth chart because there's no performance currency and they don't necessarily work at getting better at the, the yeah. Thing they need to, right? yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I'm losing power. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, that's it. He, 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 we had enough. Okay. I'm going to quickly segue then. Well, I mean, yeah. it just leaves it going. I mean, how un, how unprofessional <laughs> is that? Like this is sharp cuts to a T comes on the show, chirps, the show disagrees with our guests. Then leaves it, you know, okay. Anyways, segue, segueing, yeah. Josh, I, and we got a couple of coaches on some high performance coaches. I'm not going to include myself. And he leaves the freaking call. Like, oh my gosh, that is probably the worst thing for this show possible. That's going to, I'm just going to piss me off. Anyways, Josh, come back? while we got Steve here, cause we got no longer got my biological father. Oh, Hey, there welcome he back. You know what? Back. You know, not even going to, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. How unprofessional is that? You leave the call mid thing. You're to- screwing up the tech. Like for our, our listeners that you can't see the show, John May just left the call and then came back, like thinking thinking he's got the performance currency to behave like this on our show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> just put well, him in a virtual timeout for about 15 seconds. Don't let him speak. Mute him, and then all's right in the world. And his yeah, performance yeah, currency can, will be you right. You can manage that. You I can't can actually. That. That's my and mistake. Can, I will own that. No, you can say. I actually can can't do why. that with this setup. I will own that fully. Discipline is not a strong suit here on Sharp Cuts. I was in the middle of segueing while you were disrupting the program there, Dad, because, I mean, we've been running sessions. I've been running some beach sessions myself, keeping the distance and stuff like that with just one athlete, so it's been a lot easier. But I come down to the beach. So if our longtime listeners know, I come down to the beach. I'm looking over Tuesday mornings, bright and early, 7 a.m. I roll into the beach. Around 8 a.m., I'm watching the national team roll in, which is Josh Nichols' group, right? And then a little bit later on, I'm seeing John May and his other group kind of roll in uh, to start their training. But, Josh, I, I'm curious to get these guys' thoughts. I look over, and I'm judging because I'm I'm kind of an ego guy, so I'm judging. Um, and I see your session, Josh. These guys, you're not here yet. They're lazing around with the net set up. They're just taking their sweet time. They're doing like this, you know, like these guys do this weird stretch thing that really does nothing. Like they're doing this weird, like, you know, whenever you see a guy with hands clasped to his chest, like twisting his body, you're like, okay, dude, like, are you even warm? What are you doing? Then I see them get out the tablet. Like they're working with the tablet. Like what's going on here? It's about a half an hour before they actually even started doing anything, like moving their feet, jogging, ball, whatever. Kind of curious your thoughts on the start of practice and really, like, are we okay to ease into it if we just take a bit more time or really is it a rival and go? I'm glad you asked instead of, you know, passing judgment without having any any information. I'm secretly passing judgment, for sure. (laughs) Secretly, that's why I asked so so I can pounce on it. 
Absolutely. That that team see, in you question, see a guy again uh, like that. Our listener can't see. Yeah, that's what you you can't do that. That yep. Sorry, Josh, I interrupted. So the the, the team in question, uh, they they played their first event uh, since since COVID started, Garrett. So they have been off for a little bit. Uh, so they, they they played a, a two a two day event and they did very well in it and they played six matches in two days. So the the original proposal was they they in their mind decided that they wanted to take Monday off, Tuesday off. Wednesday off and return to training on Thursday, where me being the, the the interim coach of the national team, no effing way are you playing two days and then taking three days off. That's just a low performance decision. You so, know what? No, hey, uh, hey, yeah, I, yes. Hey, whoa, 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 I'm not done here yet. But but as you can see, Garrett, they were not happy with this decision. So at eight o'clock practice, yes, were, were they in a rush to get set up? Were they dialed in and really ready to get better that practice? No, but I I think that was the ripple effect of like. No, the 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 I had to be the heavy and be like, no, we're we're training. I'll see you Tuesday at eight. That was maybe them trying to take the power back or maybe take some currency back from the environment and say, oh, if we have to be here, like, am I really like net set up at eight, balls out at eight? Like, no, they 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 kind of it was a little bit of pushing, but that that's the backstory of that. Garrett is that uh, they they wanted some time off and it was it was not granted. They were given Monday. They were not going to be given three days. So I th- that's that why backstory. what you saw was a bit uh, laissez faire of like you know. It was just them too. It was just their team at practice, right? We didn't have a group session. It was just them. So uh, that, that that's the backstory. Where the optics of it, I'm sure, were terrible. But but the I feel like I got a win out of it in our periodization and our planning because we we went. So that that that's kind of what you saw was true. But the backstory is, you know, we had to go that day, and that's why it was kind of meh. Context is everything, man. I'm glad you said that. But now I'm curious. We got two high performance coaches here. Well, I mean, we have we have three. But we have two guests on the show. Um, curious, your guys' thoughts on that? Like, if you're, because I know Dad, when you show up at practice, like it's go time, and it kind of was when Josh arrived too. Like when Josh arrived, it was kind of go time. But Steve, as well, your perspective, like when you walk in the gym, like what's the situation, and what, like, what are we doing with it if it's not what you need? Yeah, I mean, especially again, not to bring COVID back into it, but like your gym time gets cut a little bit because you have to do so much cleaning and right. all the protocols, right? So if you waste a minute, you're you're not getting better in that minute. Okay. So uh, it's about it's about your attitude coming into practice. You need to be ready to go, and it's a little different too sometimes because I'll have athletes running from class, right? So they got to get ready and they got to get taped and they got to do all that stuff. So it's a little bit different because you you also have a team usually or like an intramural or someone where the gym is scheduled. Now down at the beach, I think it's 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 a scenario where like, you know, you're all there, you're all on the clock basically, and you're all got valuable, you know, things to do later on in your day. Unless, you know, maybe you don't. Unless you don't. Uh, just a, unless you're a beach volleyball guy and all you got to do is I got to just come to the beach, do my practice. Maybe I'll lift, maybe I won't. But you as a coach, I know Josh has got other stuff he's got to do. You know, you, you, you know, Gary, you've got, you know, video games to develop. You got, you're a busy guy. So many. John's. John's doing whatever he's doing afterwards. So wow. time is valuable, right? When he's not napping. Yeah. Or on a boat trip. Yeah. So, okay. So you come down to the beach, you two guys, because I know you guys lay the law down. Steve Delay and John May, I know you will lay it all out. You come down to the beach. I don't mean to like throw Josh under the bus, but I, I kind of do, but I don't. You come okay. down to the beach, dad, and say Jake and Will, who you're coaching, they're not ready. They're fooling around, which I mean, they sometimes do. Are you like giving them a hard time or like, what's the strategy here? Well, <laughs> <I don't... laughs> tough question. You know what? No, it's not a tough question. It's like we're dealing with high performance athletes and obviously we've had, 
conversations before you arrive and you set certain standards and expectations of what people are doing. There's a time and a place for all of these things. And I I think your comments about, uh, you know, the context under which athletes are bringing to the table. But you know what? I, I do agree that, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And depending on how you set things up, I like to say, I like the athletes to be ready to compete, warm themselves up to a certain degree physically, but warm yourself up mentally so you're prepared when I arrive at eight o'clock or at, you know, whatever time the scheduled practice is, call it eight to 10. I expect the athletes to be ready to compete at that point. Now, running them through physical warm-up drills could still incorporate you know, a lot of mental intensity. So that's my expectation with the athletes and everybody knows that you better come prepared to compete or, you know, you're not ready and that'll just be brought to your attention. But it's not like, it's not like making demands or yelling at people or, you know, and I, I, I certainly don't do that. And, and, you know, Steve, I found it very interesting the comment you made about, you can be saying something and smiling and when your mouth is covered, it's a different context. Like, you know, and it's so important to earn the right to expose somebody to themselves. And that's really what you're doing in coaching. You know, like, I think the art of coaching is really understanding and building trust with an athlete so you can help them take a real hard look at themselves, right? So, you know, if somebody's not, and and I'm coaching Julian Shanice now, which is a... Is this breaking news? You're coaching Julian Shanice? uh, What? I am, yeah. I'm coaching them and I'm coaching Will and Jake. And uh, we're going to see how this goes. But I'm committed to their success, and and I'm trying to do just that: earn earn their trust so that I can open them up to themselves. Because obviously, if you're in a rut or you're not in the place you want to be, you probably don't know why or you'd be there. So that's what the coach is doing: is helping them expose. It was interesting. I was privileged to hear Josh interact with Sergey and Chris. And Sergey was going through this evaluation of his serve receive and, you know, how he moves towards a ball. And it was it was quite scientific and it was very interesting to me to watch the, you know, the journey he was on and how Josh chose to approach it. And, you know, it was the first time I'd really watched you coach Josh and I found it. uh, I I found it interesting. Okay, is that a is that a good or is that a bad or is that a? Well, of course it's all good. He's he's out there coaching. He's out there helping uh, Sergey. No, no, that's going on the resume. John May said about Josh yeah. Nichols coaching. It's all good. I mean, endorsed, endorsed. Josh, take it to the bank. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna get. I mean, that might actually get you fired if John May thinks you're good. If like actually, you know, get it. I I think his name holds too much weight in the community, Garrett, to get me fired. I think that's a that's a big endorsement. You know, the greatest thing, the greatest thing about this show, Steve, 
And yep. I've been on it with a couple of people that I haven't had the opportunity to talk to, but it it really it, it really uh, creates an environment and opportunity to hear people speak uh, and express themselves on topics that we're all familiar with. But it's it's so it's so exciting for me to listen to you to express your thing, like this performance currency and and the way you would communicate with athletes. Like I knew just by what's been happening and the energy and the success you've been having, I knew there was something there. And now it's great to just talk to you and, and, and sort of get a, get a flavor of what it is that's making you a success. And just some of those comments have, I found, and I'll use the word interesting again, I find it, it, it's, uh, it's nice to hear that, you know, where you've evolved through your career as a volleyball athlete and now coach and so person. Is it, it's, is it good or is it bad? I mean, no, interesting is a great way like to dodge to that. That's why I like the show, Garrett. And I wish you'd start to evolve to something that uh, I no. could be a little bit more yeah, proud no, of. No, I mean, you're going you're gonna to keep on waiting for that. This oh, is- oh, wow. Uh, John, John, I remember when you were coaching uh, Mark and John, and I would come and train. I don't know whether it was, whether it was playing with James Gravel or whoever, but I remember like the first at least half hour of practice was like some of the most intense short court that you have and 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 so i i have actually taken that to you know uh the 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 brock girls Uh, i think there's a lot that can be um uh, learned in short court but the biggest part was the competition and we actually trash talking is mandatory and part of that is so that when we go to like guelph or somewhere or ryerson where they're they're trash talking and all that type of stuff um where, where, where we've had situations where it's been the crowd kind of on us and and um, and Lakehead especially is uh, is all about that um, in, in terms of like their their fan interaction. So um, I'm just curious when you guys run your beach practices now, is short court still a thing, or is this generation just away from it? And 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 like, would you still endorse that? I I wouldn't endorse that, but I, I endorse other versions of the same sort of competitive thing, thing like okay. volus, things like uh, um, other other games like that if you will that that in that really heightened the uh the competitive nature of it and that was the thing with with the short court that john and mark would play and it would be like when you're going every day right and you're you're totally invested in this that short court was a, a good way to like i said get mentally tuned up for the rest of the training session right and yeah. and we had a ton of fun with it but it was extremely competitive as you know right like yeah. it, so why oh, wouldn't you know, endorse it anymore though like if it sounds like no, it was kind of I, a positive it's not that i wouldn't it's not that i wouldn't endorse it but people just don't play short court as much as they did there's but i said i'll i do i do other things that i would not endorse, but I initiate other types of competitive games like that. It's not that I wouldn't do short court. Of course, if I was down there, like I'm only going twice a week. So I, you know, uh, but at some point, yes, short court would be part of it. I know with Christina and Jamie, you know, we did start to get into some short court for sure. And it does develop a lot of great things, you know, if you play it enough, not only your you know, your competitiveness, but you, the way you, your relationship with the ball. So, yeah, 
I, I you know, Steve, that's a that's a good example of yeah, um, a game that you got to be mentally ready to do, or you'll just get, you know, you'll just get abused and beaten down, and you might as well not even be playing. Yeah, I really like it um, for for middles like indoor. So we'll go six people on each side of the court and use the full attack line. Yeah, and then what, like if you ever watch a middle who's like that's not hitting or blocking, whenever they got to do something close to the net and touch the ball, a lot of times they panic. And this is a way to get them to relax. I, I, find, great idea. I find there. And great didn't Overkill idea. come out with? Didn't Over, Overkill come out with like a special? Short court net system now, isn't that? Yeah, there's no a few different products the out show. there for no sure. Free like ads. The, yeah. the short stuff and the quad net and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the cross net too, right? Is, is another one. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, if yeah, Overkill wants to sponsor the show, I mean, totally, we're o- we're open to that for sure. Yeah. I totally I agree with you, Steve. Yeah. Like the short court's hilarious, and uh, yeah. I wish people do it more because you get those gangly folks out there. What what I do kind of see your point though steve is like you were going out to a session with kind of a team and it was intense right and you were you were kind of an i guess to them i don't want to get this wrong but you were kind of an up-and-comer to challenge them type situation right yeah well i mean they were olympic medalists and i can tell you this i'll I'll say it in public i mean i I used to tell my 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 athletes uh, this all the time like i'd hit the ball higher i arguably uh i know i was bigger uh maybe as fast but I never beat Mark and John once. I think right. I might I take a set off them in training here and there, but they just wouldn't allow it. Like, right. they, you know, and, and, and short court was the same thing. Like those two guys were just so mentally stable yeah. that they just, you, if you were going to take a match off of them, even in practice, you, you'd have to, you know, hack their leg off of the machete or something. Yeah, they just yeah. weren't going to let you do that. So right? that's what so, I'm saying um, is I kind of miss that. Cause like, I, I'm like, you yes. appreciated that and how valuable that was yes. for you to go into that environment and be like, damn, this is like the pressure cooker, like right from the start of practice where it's like, I see and back. And oh. when I was playing too, it was the same thing. Cause I, I guess I stopped maybe four or five years ago. Um, there just wasn't that like intensity in the training environment, the commitment to right. like, no, I, I'm here to win and do my best in every single thing I do, whether that's short court, I'm playing in a match or whatever, that I don't, like, I feel like that's kind of a lost piece of like, hey, you go to the best teams, you train with them, you work hard, and if they kick your ass in practice, like, you got to you gotta get yeah. better, you got to work it, you got to get used to right. that. I, I definitely miss that and, and don't see yeah. that as much for sure these days. Yeah. And we, I mean, we had close matches, but they just always would pull it out like in training. And the good thing is like when you did that at the beginning, this is kind of like when you guys were talking about the kind of loafing into practice, if you paid short court and for a little bit, we actually kept track of wins that takes the intensity up, right? You put it in a Google doc and give everybody access to it and then see what happens. So imagine if Mark and John kept short court wins against each other throughout their training days, like they would be talking about it right now somewhere probably still yeah like for sure and i think that's a lot like that actual you know ability to just take that competition factor and raise it to the roof uh it it people are more worried a little bit about what i did on an individual play and less worried about what the overall outcome of a match is and i think it's because they're not prepared to compete as well right i remember mark and i when i was like 17 18 years old building for that junior world championship and mark and i would do the one-on-ones he, we would play short court and those kind of lot corner game. I don't know if you ever played the yeah. the corner game or the lot sideline where you just compete one on one. And he beat me yeah. every time for months. And he's forty four, 
45 yeah. at the time. I think like he's early 40s at the time, and I'm a young 18 year old guy, and he's still kicking my butt every single time until eventually, like, you know, and that was the train. It's like I got to win on Mark. It was like, oh my gosh, like okay, now I now like now we're now we're going right for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I that's so key. I feel like, and I don't know. It's yeah. just it's tough to recreate though. If say you have one athlete who's just dominating, and right. everybody else is like almost, it's so easy to just give up on that in some ways. Right. Well, we throw. I mean, I, I play in a lot of the short court matches. Oh yeah, and, you and, do. And, and that and that adds a different thing because I tell them, I just tell them, like, you're not beating me, right? I'm just, I pull a Mark and John on them, and they're like, and that gets them upset, and they try hard. They they come close, but to this to this point, they they haven't. And let's hope that stays this way for at least you know, another 10 years. Okay. So dad, if you're lining up short court with the, with, uh, let's say with Julian Shanice, you're going short court. Who's coming out on top one-on-one you versus either of them. One-on-one. Yeah. You know, I would probably beat them in short. Are you kidding me? I think we need to sell some tickets to this. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. Still, I think I'd beat them, but, but, Give me another month with them, and I wouldn't. Well, I like I, I don't I don't want to talk openly about Shanice and and Julie on the on the call because they might be listening. But well, listen, um, nobody's listening, so I think we can all be rest good. assured that we're, <laughs> yeah. we're good there. Well, you know what? You know what? Um, people talk about mental toughness. People talk about uh, you know. I I, I had this discussion because I was down at the beach. The other day with uh, a good friend of yours, Dan Deering, and and we were just discussing and looking around down there, and and we're at a loss. You know, you could go ask anybody on the beach and say, "Hey, give me a comparison. How much of this sport is mental, and how much of this sport is physical?" And we said probably not one person would say a higher percentage is physical than it is mental. Like everybody says, Oh, the game's all mental. Yeah. Even if they say it's 60, 40, 70, 30, 95, five, everybody says it's mental, but nobody knows how to train mental. Right. And I think we're talking about the essence of what's at the foundation of mental toughness. And that is the will and the training of the skill of competing. I'll never forget Christine Drakeage. I went to a beach at uh, one of my beach coaching levels. I think it was a level three course that was being held. And you had to do a uh, uh, run a drill and demonstrate a skill. And I said, well, okay, good. I'm going to do that. And my skill is competing. (laughs) And we got into this major argument that competing you're just being difficult with a, these people in a way. Oh, competing! <laughs> no, no, competing's not a skill. No, I mean proving a point, but also yeah. you knew it would cause no, a problem. Competing, competing wasn't a skill to them. And well, I was like, right, and you what? had to die on that hill, I'm sure. Well, no, I would die on that hill, but it, competing is a skill. It's more important. It's right up there with passing and serving, for crying out loud. Competing. Did you say it like so, that? Because, I mean, you've got me convinced. No, but it, it's it. I, maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but I, I think it's very healthy to, it's a, it's a component of mental toughness. 
your your comfort level with actually realizing that you're in a competition. That's what you're doing. So it's okay. All the all the the uh, uh, what do you call that when you take a drug? Um, the uh, help me, guys. No, we you're you're you got nothing. No, you got no one with you here on this one. No, the side effects. The side effects to the oh. vaccine. What are the side effects? Well, what are the <laughs> Where side Where are we effects? going with this, Dad? No, but what are the side effects to competing? It has side effects. Winning and losing are the side effects to competing. No, no, you might get upset at yourself. You might lose your self-esteem. You might not be confident. Somebody else might yell at you. You might cry. You might, you know. Hey, if you did a thing, hey, try competing, and here's all the side effects to it. People might go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to put. Oh, something so we're on making a commercial for like a drug, and it's like, hey, ask your doctor about competing. Side effects may include proficient, like extreme crying, anger, yeah. <laughs> violence, and even death. Loss of is money. What, yes. Hey, well, that's what we're talking about here. But my point yeah. is this. Everybody thinks the game's mental, but there's really no drills for mental. Like, what are the drills? I got lots of them. Oh, but you said there's none, but you got them all. I got a lot of them. Okay, so, but all this to say, you're talking about mental toughness. You've got it because you're saying you could beat a current member of our women's beach volleyball national team in short court. Uh, No question. It's not even fair. All right. (laughs) Like Steve's beating his team. It's not even fair. Like it's so not even a question. It's not even fair. Okay. What about if Steve and I team up and come down and take on the team you're coaching, Jake and Will, who's coming out on top on that one? In what? What do you mean in what? In beach volleyball. No, they crush you guys. Hmm. So you are the untouchable in all this, I guess. No, well, no, you're asking unrelevant questions. Me playing short court against Shanice and and or Julie is much different than you and Steve playing against Will and Jake. Come on. I agree. I think yeah. we'd actually win. Wow. You must be really good, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's getting up there. Garrett. Yeah, I'm 45, man. Yeah, he's Jeez. 45 years old, man. And he's not playing. Are you like... Are you kidding? Uh, playing soccer. So- playing sorry. Are we using the shape. same argument to say that Steve is incapable of competing, but not, not focusing saying- on the fact that you are over 60? I got to be I got to be honest with the with both of you. I I think you're both great athletes, but that, you know, it'd be a match. Josh, who do you think would win? I thought Garrett was leading this towards short court and I thought they had a chance. If you guys are playing a match, you're you're not going to win, Garrett. No, no I, I'm. We're not yet, but I'm trying to make a point. Like, what's your point? Okay, so because it's short court, therefore age is not an issue. Well, it's it it's it's a different factor. Steve could definitely beat yeah. him in short court. I, I think that what, what what John's saying is well, it's a lower net first of all, and um, that's a big piece of it. You, we probably have a lot more experience about short court, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that physical. It's more about ball control and being able to wipe the block and, you know, being able to give yourself a good set, right? Um, that would be uh, – I think it would still be a battle, but they get better at it, as you, as you kind of intimated earlier, Garrett, with playing Marquise. 
like by the end of it, you figured it out, right? So eventually you hack the drill. Right. All right, Josh. So you got to basically step out on the short court there and just pummel these guys into submission, I think is the lesson here, right? Like, I mean, if we're taking anything from this show, it's that. Yeah, uh, I think it's got to be. Or if John's going to hint that he has all these drills, is that on a cliffhanger, Garrett? Are we going to ask for one of these drills? Like, can he just say he's got all the answers and we don't call him out on it? No, but it's it's a bit of a red herring as well. Like, it's a bit of like, oh, I got everything. Like, I'll take, I can finally do it. Finally something no, the listeners are fired up for. They're like, ooh, I'm finally going to get something out of the show. And then we just glance over it and be like, ah, I'm sure he's got <laughs> Yeah, actually, drill. that's a, that's the time. The show is over. We've got to end it because... Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that Steve should be opening up his great drills like what he just said short court for middles and the way he does it i guarantee if there's any smart coaches on the indoor scene in the university level they should be doing that because that's a great thing for middle athletes to get some touch to get some feel to be on there up quick get your reflexes and like you say get comfortable with the tight net play i love that yeah that's well let's face it too right Chucking the volleyball now is the newest thing, right. right? And where do you learn to do that the best? I mean, we were, when I was playing with the uh, the Hurricanes this year, uh, I stepped in and, and, and um, coached them for the 16U team. Um, we did a short court, and there at the end of it, there was a middle there that could blow the ball by me when she threw it. And I was like, I was like max jumping, trying to do it. And she was wiping it off my hands and the whole gym's erupting. Of course, every time she wipes me and win, but you watched her develop that through that drill. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, we've gotten several gems on this episode, Josh. I don't know if we've been taking notes. I have not. We got the performance currency. We got the short court gem. I mean, we learned about we some got of the COVID. The competing is a skill. Competing, competing is, is a skill. skill. I mean, that one, that, yeah, you have to just accept that one. That one's a maximum. And that my dad thinks he could beat some of our national team athletes in short court. And I mean, I think. That's the full takeaway. So, I mean, I'm sorry to have to do this because we're having a blast and we're getting into it with you guys, but we're reaching the end of the program. Uh, nobody's listening anyway because they shut it off about 30 minutes ago. So if you're still with us, thank you so much for watching um, and, or, and or listening wherever you're watching. New episodes every Monday. Um, Josh gets them out there nice and early for you on the podcast. What's, what do you release? 5 a.m., Josh? Well, I upload it on Sunday afternoon, and then the, the, the server just releases it when it's time, Garrett. I don't know what time it actually comes out on. When you wake up, just turn on your phone. It'll be there. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks, you guys, both so much for joining us. Steve and, and Dad, thanks for joining us, and thanks, everyone, for listening. That'll, uh, that'll do it for this one. We'll see you next time.